Good morning. What a privilege to be in God's presence today. Wow. Just reach out and receive what he has for you. Don't miss a moment in his presence. What an awesome God. I'm excited about Easter. Invite somebody. We'll stack the chairs high in anticipation. I don't know if you were here last Sunday, but uh, Pastor Isaiah brought such a, a powerful word. In all my years of hearing him preach, to me, that was the finest message I've ever heard. It came from, straight from the, the throne of God. If you didn't have the privilege of being here, make sure you catch that on YouTube or on Facebook. Uh, we're just thrilled what God is doing here in the house through our pastor and, and all that God is, is just stirring up. 2023, God stirred us to say this is the year of supernatural suddenlies. And supernaturally, he's been moving quickly. Many of you have shared your testimonies of what God is doing. And, and things are happening around here suddenly. And I'm just so glad I'm smack dab in the middle of what God's doing. Amen. Amen. It, it's exciting. Uh, people who are on waiting lists. And at the end of the list, God said, no, time, supernaturally, suddenly, and in a moment's time, God's favor can shine on you, and when it does, things change, and they change quickly. So get in position to receive the supernatural suddenlies of the Lord. Amen. My mind still thinks I'm 25, and my body thinks my mind is crazy. I'm turning 65 this week. That's a milestone. And uh, it seems that every Medicare specialist in the world has my phone number. What's up with that? All of a sudden, they start calling me. They've been calling me for a year. And uh, I'm just... Crazy enough to believe that I'm going to keep living. Did you know that cats, cats can memorize 120 commands, but they don't want to? Yeah. Cats are of the devil. Sorry. Excuse me. All of you cat lovers, God bless you. I used to be a dog lover, and we got Murphy. <laughs> Murphy's got some cat in him. I'm sure he does. I just don't know how that works. Core value this week is obedience. We say obedience is the key to life. We live by the nudge of the Holy Spirit the power of God's word, and as he leads, we follow. Daily encounters with the Lord make all the difference in the world. 
if you're going to be successful. There's a quote I read this week by Rory Vaden. It said, he said, success is never owned. It is rented and the rent is due every day. Success is never owned. It's rented and the rent is due every day. Daily, every day, every single day, you build yourself up by praying in the Holy Spirit. Every day, you fill your mind with the word of the living God. Every single day, you spend time in his presence. You worship him daily, daily, daily. Daily encountering him will bring you daily success, which will lead to lifetime success. The rent is due every day. Come on, somebody. So every day we get in his presence. Every day we have an encounter with him. And it changes everything. Don't come to us for counseling until you've spent daily time in his presence. Because our first thing to say to you is, what has he said to you in your daily encounter? Have you been in his presence daily? Because that's where things change. Someone once said, a lot of things broke my heart, but fixed my vision. Anybody been there? In your daily encounters with the Lord, he will show you where you're off. Your neighbor and say, he's going to show you where you're off. You'll probably break your heart in the process because you're going to have to deal with some stuff that you've been letting go. In his presence daily, he will show you where you're off, but it will fix your vision. It'll help you see clearly. It will give you the ability to move forward in power and might with his spirit guiding you. Amen. One of our unique characteristics here at the Power Place is that we are a presence-driven church. Everything we do revolves around the Lord Jesus Christ. We choose to honor him over everyone else. Other churches may be purpose-driven. They might be people-driven. They may be program-driven or mission-driven. But we believe here at the Power Place that his presence is of paramount importance. We want to always host him well and honor his presence over everyone else. Honor his presence over everything else. So that's what we strive to do. It's, it's our rock-solid foundation. We won't chase after you. But we'll chase after him. And if you want to come along, we would love to have you on the journey. Amen. Today, let me talk about honor. Somebody say honor. honor. What do we say around here? Honor. 
Look with me at Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, the first few verses are one of some of the um, most incredulous verses in the Bible, in my opinion. He went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him, speaking of Jesus. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor. Somebody say honor. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And here's the verse that slaps me upside the head. And he could do no mighty work there. Except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there. I suggest to you that honor is the key to the miraculous. If you lose honor for someone, you won't be able to receive miraculous provision that flows from them. People lose their honor for their pastor or they dishonor the pastor and all of a sudden they can't receive anything from them. So they leave the church and they stay stuck where they were without receiving what they needed and could have received had they shown honor. And then they move to another church and the cycle continues. It's happened here more times than I can count. A lack of honor or dishonor, which are basically the same. When you don't honor, you dishonor. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? The NIV says Jesus left there, went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. 
When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where'd this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that's been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? He just lived down the street. You remember him. He grew up. We went to school together. His brothers are James, Joseph, Judas, Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him because he was just one of them. That's all they could see. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. Verse 5, he could not do any miracles there. How are we able to tie the hands of Jesus? We see it all the time. People who lack faith, lack honor, and they tie the hands of the Lord God Almighty to where he can't do anything for them because they don't honor him. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Honor breeds honor. Dishonor breeds dishonor. And scripture is very clear. You reap what you sow. Whatever you give out will be returned back to you. I believe God is calling his church and us in particular to a place of honoring those God has placed above us. If we don't, we will miss out on the provision, the miraculous provision that God has for us through them. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says, Children, you know the scripture. Obey your parents in the Lord. Why? Can you... Is it there? Obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. There's some things that are just right. The Apostle Paul reminds us that this is right. Verse 2, there's that word again. Honor. Somebody say it with me. Honor your father and mother, which is the first. What? It's not a suggestion. What I have the choice to choose, right? I don't really have to. It's not that big a deal. No, it's the first commandment. But notice what it's tied to. The command to honor is tied to a promise. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you 
and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. The command to honor is always tied to a promise. And it's for you. Not for them. Jesus was Jesus no matter who honored him or not. The command was there so that they could receive the promise that God had for them through him. They nullified themselves out of the blessing by not honoring the one God sent. This is heavy. It's a big deal. Honor, the Good News Translation translates Ephesians 6, verse 2, respect. Respect your father and mother. Honor, respect, is always attached to a promise. And you're not honoring them for them. You're honoring them for you. Yeah, it is about honoring them, but really it's attached to a promise for you. you you're positioning yourself to receive the promise that is attached to honor. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. How many have ever been tested by God? I thought when I got out of college, I'd never have another test. I was convinced. Tests are over. It's no big deal now. I can just live. No, the tests got harder and harder because they became intangible tests. Things I couldn't put my finger on, but I knew it was a test. You hear what I'm saying? There are things that come in your life directed by God to see what you're made of, to see how will you handle what I'm bringing your way. Some of us are passing the test, others of us not so much. And I challenge you today, place yourself in an obedient and honoring position. God tested Abraham. He called to him, Abraham. Abraham answered, yes, here I am. Take your son, God said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. There on a mountain that I will show you, offer him as a sacrifice to me. Early the next morning, Abraham cut some wood for the sacrifice, loaded his donkey, took Isaac and two servants with him. They started out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham saw the place in the distance. Then he said to the servants, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there and worship, and then we will come back to you. It was a statement of faith. Abraham made Isaac carry the wood for the sacrifice, and he himself carried a knife and live coals for starting the fire. As they walked along together, Isaac spoke up, Father. He answered, yes, my son. Isaac asked, I see that you have the coals and the wood, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Abraham answered, God himself will provide one. Another statement of faith. I trust God, I honor God, and I know he will provide what is necessary. The two of them walked on together. When they came to the place which God had told him about, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. He tied up his son and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. And at that point, I think Isaac's thinking, okay, all right now. Hmm. 
Let's see. I'm the sacrifice. Then he picked up the knife to kill him. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. He answered, yes, here I am. Don't hurt the boy or do anything to him, he said. Now I know that you honor and obey God. Honor and obedience go hand in hand. Honor and obedience are tied together always. Because you've not kept back your only son from him. Abraham looked around and saw a ram caught in a bush by its horns. He went and got it and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham named that place the Lord provides. Even today, people say on the Lord's mountain, he provides. Honor is always attached to a promise. Honor and obedience are always attached to a promise. He looked around, saw a ram caught in a bush. It just showed up. Man. <laughs> took Isaac off the altar and sacrificed the lamb, the ram. The angel of the Lord, verse 15, called to Abraham from heaven a second time. I make a vow by my own name, the Lord is speaking, that I will richly bless you. Because you did this and did not keep back your only son from me, I promise that I will give you as many descendants as there are stars in the sky or grains of sand along the seashore. Your descendants will conquer their enemies. All the nations will ask me to bless them as I have blessed your descendants, all because you obeyed my command. Honor and obedience are always tied to a promise. This is the first commandment with a promise. As Abraham honored the Lord and obeyed him, the blessing flowed not just for him, but for everybody that was downstream of him. You and I are receiving those blessings today. I read this story the other day. I was waiting in line for a ride at the airport. When a cab pulled up, the first thing I noticed was that the taxi was polished to a bright shine. Smartly dressed in a white shirt, black tie, freshly pressed black slacks, the cab driver jumped out around the car to open the back passenger door for me. He handed me a laminated card and said, I'm Wally, your driver. While I'm loading your bags in the trunk, I'd like you to read my mission statement. Taken aback, I read the card. It said, Wally's mission statement, to get my customers to their destination in the quickest, safest, and cheapest way possible in a friendly environment. This blew me away, especially when I noticed that the inside of the cab matched the outside, spotlessly clean. As he slid behind the wheel, Wally said, would you like a cup of coffee? I have a thermos of regular and one of decaf. I said jokingly, no, I'd, I'd prefer a soft drink. 
Wally smiled and said, no problem. I have a cooler up front with regular Diet Coke, water and orange juice. Almost stuttering, I said, I'll take a Diet Coke. Handing me my drink, Wally said, if you'd like something to read, I have the Wall Street Journal, Time, Sports Illustrated, and USA Today. As we were pulling away, Wally handed me another laminated card. These are the stations I get and the music they play if you'd like to listen to the radio. As if it weren't enough, Wally told me that he had the air conditioning on and asked if the temperature was comfortable for me. Then he advised me of the best route to my destination for that time of day. He also let me know that he'd be happy to chat and tell me about some of the sites or, if I preferred, to leave me with my own thoughts. Tell me, Wally, I asked the driver, have you always served customers like this? Wally smiled into the rearview mirror. No, not always. In fact, it's only been in the last two years. My first five years of driving, I spent most of my time complaining like all the rest of the cabbies do. Then I heard a personal growth guru on the radio one day. He had just written a book and said that if you get up in the morning expecting to have a bad day, you'll rarely disappoint yourself. He said, stop complaining. Differentiate yourself from your competition. Don't be a duck. Be an eagle. Ducks quack and complain. Eagles soar above the crowd. That hit me right between the eyes, said Wally. It was like he was talking directly to me. I was always quacking and complaining, so I decided to change my attitude and become an eagle. I looked around at the other cabs and their drivers. The cabs were dirty. The drivers were unfriendly. The customers were unhappy. So I decided to make some changes. I put in a few at the time, and when my customers responded well, I did more. Well, I take it that's paid off for you, I said. It sure has, Wally replied. My first year as an eagle, I doubled my income from the previous year. This year, I'll probably quadruple it. You were lucky to get me today. I don't sit at cab stands anymore. My customers call me for appointments on my cell phone or leave me a message on an answer machine. If I can't pick them up, I myself, I get a reliable cabbie friend to do it, and I take a piece of the action. Wally was phenomenal. He was running a limo service out of a yellow cab. I've probably told that story to more than 50 cab drivers over the years, and only two took the idea and ran with it. Whenever I go to their cities, I give them a call. The rest of the drivers quacked like ducks and told me all the reasons they couldn't do any of what I was suggesting. Wally, the cab driver, made a different choice. He decided to stop quacking like ducks and start soaring like eagles. And ask you today, which are you? Where do you sit in all that? What could change in your life if you decided to live an honoring lifestyle in everything you do and say? We're surrounded by a culture of dishonor, by a bunch of quacking ducks. We're surrounded. It's the norm. If you haven't met them in your workplace, get on social media. That'll drive you crazy. It seems that we have created a culture of dishonor in the church as well. 
Because of that, we're missing out on miraculous provision from the Lord. People flit around from church to church. People flit around from church to church, quacking, showing no honor to the ones the Lord has placed in charge. And they wonder why they don't receive the miracles they're searching for. I believe one of the reasons there are so many more miracles overseas is because of the culture of honor that's been cultivated in those countries. They receive miraculous provision for their needs because they honor the messenger that God sends. It's one of the reasons why we use the term pastor. Pastor Isaiah. He's my son. I could just call him Zay. Hey, Zay. Hey, Zay. But he's become my pastor. You know, it's hard for me to call Pastor Billy, Pastor Billy. Because he was a little kid when he came here. I watched him grow up. But that dishonor would preclude me from receiving anything that God wants to flow through him to me. So I look at him and I say, Pastor Billy. Yeah, I grew up with him. Lived down the street. No big deal. I don't know why he's doing it in that church. <laughs> and you won't get anything that God wants to flow through him to you. Are you hearing me today? Say, why is this such a big deal? It's a big deal to God. Because God lives in a realm of honor. In heaven, surrounded by the angels, there is nothing there but honor. Because those who dishonored him got kicked out. Okay, The devil and his angels are no longer able to receive miraculous provision. If God were in heaven and said, angel, move that tree from there to there. Why? I don't feel like it. Why, what are you talking to me like that for? No, there, there's no questions asked. I'm honoring the one who asked me to do something. And so because of that, I get to stay in a realm of miraculous provision. When God encounters dishonor, he is repulsed. I'll say that again. When, when God encounters dishonor, he is repulsed. Honor is such a part of the culture of heaven that when it is missing, the blessings of heaven can't come there. They can't. They're stopped. Jesus could do no miracles there. All of a sudden, because of dishonor, 
Provision stopped. His presence is repulsed by dishonor. Tell your neighbor that. His presence is repulsed by dishonor. There are always consequences to dishonor. When the Israelites dishonored Moses, their appointed leader, they were punished severely. When Aaron and Miriam dishonored Moses, their brother, because he didn't do what they thought he should have done, God brought judgment on them. Numbers chapter 12, Moses had married a Cushite woman, a woman from a different race, probably a different color. And Miriam and Aaron criticized him for it. Dishonor shows up in criticism, backbiting, negative words. If it comes to you, someone brings dishonor your way, shut them up. Get out of their presence. You know what? That's not allowed here. We want the miraculous provision of God. Stop right there. Take that thought and shelve it and then get the vacuum out. They said, verse 2, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? <laughs> oh, my mind is going places today. I'm going to spare you the details. But when God called me to start this church, he didn't call 10 other people who thought that they were supposed to come in and wreak havoc and do their own thing. He always calls a leader. The Lord heard what they said. Mark that down. The Lord heard what they said. He's eavesdropping on everything you say. He also sees beyond your words and, and knows the thoughts of your heart. The Lord heard what they said. Moses was a humble man, more humble than anyone else on earth. Suddenly, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, I want the three of you to come out to the tent of my presence. They went, and the Lord came down in a pillar of clouds, stood at the entrance of the tent, called out, Aaron, Miriam. And that's the time you don't want to hear the Lord's voice. The two of them stepped forward. The Lord said, I hear what I have to say. When there are prophets among you, I reveal myself to them in visions and speak to them in dreams. It's different when I speak with my servant Moses. I have put him in charge. I have put him in charge of all my people Israel. When God told Christy and I to step aside, he made it very clear that Pastor Isaiah and Brittany were to fill that position. He put them in charge. And the honor that is due them is the honor to the one who is in charge. And you'll miss out. I'm telling you, you'll miss out 
on the blessings and provision and promises of God that he wants to give you through them if you don't honor them. Hear me, hear me well. I have put him in charge of all my people Israel, so I speak to him face to face clearly and not in riddles. He has even seen my form. How dare you speak against my servant Moses? And I would say that's a warning to all of us. How dare you speak against my servant? The Lord was angry with them, and so as he departed and the cloud left the tent, Miriam's skin was suddenly covered with a dreaded disease and turned as white as snow. When Aaron looked at her and saw that she was covered with the disease, he said to Moses, Please, sir, do not make us suffer this punishment for our foolish sin. Don't let her become like something born dead with half its flesh eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh God, heal her. That's what godly leaders do. She deserves this. Lord, I'm, I'm begging you, intercede. Change the circumstances. Heal her, Lord. The Lord answered, If her father had spit in her face, she would have to bear her disgrace for seven days. So let her be shut out of the camp for a week. And after that, she can be brought back in. Miriam was shut out of the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until she was brought back in. Your disobedience, your dishonor will affect those around you. And they left Hazaroth, set up camp in the wilderness of Paran. Honor is a big deal to God. Romans chapter 1, verse 21 says, They know God, but they do not give him the honor that belongs to him, nor do they thank him. And I'll just say this, honor and gratefulness go hand in hand as well. Some of you have no idea what you missed out on because you weren't grateful for what happened. You did not, you didn't even say thank you. You barely, you barely even uttered a, hmm. Somebody bless you and you're going to miss out on future blessings because of an ungrateful heart. They know God, but they do not give him the honor that belongs to him, nor do they thank him. Instead, their thoughts have become complete nonsense. Their thoughts have become complete nonsense. I, I hear from people who have dishonored and then left and then, ah, I'm like, that's complete nonsense. Are you kidding me? Their thoughts have become complete nonsense and their empty minds are filled with darkness. They say they're wise, but they're fools. And they don't even know it. Because of dishonor to God. Dishonor takes you down a very dangerous path away from God to a place of darkness and emptiness. Paul the Apostle writes to the Thessalonians, he said, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. 
and live peacefully with each other. The ESV translates, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Lack of respect, you know about familiarity breeds contempt. Lack of respect, familiarity, lack of honor cripples you from receiving. This isn't just about them. This is about you. So, honor up. Honor up. Honor up. But he's younger than me. Honor up. I've known him since he was a kid. Honor up. First Timothy 5.17, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. So we ask the question, is what I'm saying and doing bringing honor to God? Is what I'm saying or doing honoring to those God has placed above me? Am I living an honoring lifestyle? How best can I honor those leading this house? Are my actions consistent with how the Lord wants me to honor my leaders? The question we ask all the time, Lord, are you pleased? Are you pleased with me? Are you pleased with how I'm living? I would say, let's ask the question, Lord, are you pleased with how I'm honoring? Are you pleased with how I'm honoring my pastor? Are you pleased with how I'm honoring those you've placed over me in the Lord? Lord, are you pleased with how I'm honoring you? I want to receive the miraculous provision that flows from above me. I need to honor those God has placed over me. Stand with me, please. Mark 6, 3. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother James, Joseph, Jesus, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? They took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus, I don't want to tie your hands. Say that with me. Jesus, I don't want to tie your hands. Lord, Lord, I want, I want everything you have for me through those you've placed over me.
I don't want to tie your hands in the least. Lord, I want to receive the miraculous provision that you have for me as I honor you and your servants that you place over me. Teach me, Lord, to honor well. Teach me, Lord, to honor well. Lift your hands toward him this morning. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. And ask him to teach you. Lord, are you pleased? Lord, are you pleased with how I'm living? Are you pleased with how I'm honoring those you've placed over me? you have in store for this house are really beyond belief. They're mind-boggling. It's crazy to think of what you're going to do, things you've already done, the things you're preparing for us. And we want to stay under that blessing flow of those you place over us. As they listen and hear from you, Lord, we will receive the miraculous provision you have for us. Because we understand honoring is not just about the person we're honoring, but it's about us as well. So we humble ourselves. We humble our attitudes. We humble our spirits. some of us need to just right now repent for how we've dishonored those above us. Talk to the Lord for a few moments.